Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and you are listening to Calvary Live. So glad that you can tune into our program today. My name is Jeff Figgs, and I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley. And I am with you today for the next hour to take your questions and prayer requests. You just heard the number to call, and that number is 303-690-3000. And we have all open lines right now, so grab one of those open lines. And you have the opportunity right now, all of you who are listening and tuned in to Calvary Live, to call in and ask questions. Maybe your Bible reading has brought up. Maybe you got questions about Christian living or current events. Uh, We want to be able to take you to the Word of God and show you and to bless you and to give you clarity and understanding and to give you truth because God's Word is truth and all of it from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. Grab one of those open lines. So glad to be with you this afternoon. There's another means for you to be able to ask a question or give a prayer request, and that's a dedicated text line, and that number is 720-336-0897, and I always encourage you, uh, if you're a regular listener to Calvary Live, put those two numbers in your contacts, and you can pull it right up and give me a call. Uh, hope you're having a great uh, afternoon. It's a beautiful day here in Colorado, so I want to welcome all the Grace FM listeners uh, along the Front Range from Pueblo up to Fountain and Colorado Springs and then the metro area and uh, northward up into uh, Boulder and Longmont and Fort Collins and Greeley up in the southern Wyoming, Laramie and Cheyenne and even in parts of the Panhandle of Nebraska and I was talking to somebody on Sunday afternoon, and they were traveling through uh, western Nebraska, and they said they were listening to Grace FM. So if you're there in western Nebraska in the Panhandle and you're listening right now, you're listening to the show, I'd love to hear from somebody from Nebraska. Let us know that you hear us and that uh, you can give us a call, give us a shout. Uh, that's an opportunity for us to pray for you if you got a prayer request or to ask a question, so I'd love to hear from you there in Nebraska, and uh, so uh, please give us a call. And then also we want to welcome all of uh, the uh, listeners on the East Coast on Hope FM and also on Truth FM. Uh, You too can call it that number, 303-690-3000, and we uh, always are so blessed to be a part of your lives there in Pennsylvania and Maryland and Jersey and Tennessee and parts of uh, Kentucky and uh, and other places. And, of course, we want to welcome all the online listeners from all over the country. So glad to be with you, to be able to uh, uh, to just uh, share with you and, and to bless you with the Word of God. And so you can give us a call. 
at 303-690-3000. Grab one of those open lines. I just want to say that uh, the last couple days we have been doing uh, 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 children's park outreach here in Greeley at the main park, uh, the Island Grove Park, where they have the Greeley Stampede. That's going to begin in a couple weeks where tens of thousands of people come through Greeley. But we've been doing a park outreach, our VBS, and it's been so wonderful. And we put a lot of prayer into it, a lot of planning, a lot of uh, people volunteering and just ministering to the kids. And it's been such a tremendous blessing to see the kids come and to uh, they're having fun, they're uh, doing crafts, they're playing games, but most of all, they're hearing about Jesus. And we've had a number of kids that have come to the Lord that have made decisions for Jesus, and it's such a tremendous blessing. And I was telling the volunteers as we had our devotion uh, this morning that even uh, during this time, if one child comes to the Lord, that it is worth all the effort, all the planning, uh, the resources that we put into it, uh, it is worth it because that one child is so important to the Lord. And it's a great opportunity to get truth into the hearts uh, of kids that are not hearing the truth. They're not going to get it into the world. Um, they're going to get it. Um, confusion is what they're going to get. Um, so we have the opportunity to give them two things the world cannot give them, and that is God's love and God's truth and the gospel message. And so I believe today we had 16 kids that made decisions for Christ, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, what a uh, just a privilege uh, uh, to have the opportunity to minister to uh, those little ones. And Jesus said, don't forbid the kids to come to me. And uh, so we got one more day. Uh, if you're in the Greeley area, uh, you're more than welcome to come, 9.30 to noon at Island Grove Park. Uh, your kids are going to have fun. It's for 5-year-olds through 12-year-olds. And, uh, and be praying for us as we have one more day out there in the park, this park outreach at Island Grove Park. And so just blessed to be a part of it. Also, I just want to remind you, too, and then we're going to go to the phone lines, but give me a call at 303-690-3000. Grab one of those open lines as we begin the show here today. But uh, here at Calvary Chapel Greeley, we have just a wonderful children's ministry, and uh, I want to remind all of us, and I'm sure that most of us that are listening know the importance of getting the truth of God's Word into the hearts of our kids uh, because there's a lot of mixed messages and false messages that are out there, and and they need the Word of God, and they need it as young as possible. And we know that um, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, we are told there that you shall love the Lord with your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and it shall be as a frontlet between your eyes. And uh, so here we know that uh, we are instructed to teach the Word of God to our children. Uh, we're to speak of the Word of God in our homes, fill the Word of God uh, with truth. Um, and uh, as you're with them, as you go on vacation, um, as you lie down, when you rise up. And, and so I hope that we are ones that we really desire to do that with our children. Uh, it's so imperative that we do that. 
and then take them to a place, a church that has a good children's ministry that will teach them truth, get them grounded in the Word of God. And here at Calvary Chapel Greeley, we work very hard at doing that. We got great volunteers. We got uh, you know a couple people on staff, a couple ladies that um, they are so so. Uh, wonderful and good and gifted in putting those lessons together and getting things organized. And so it's a safe place for your kids. And we want to encourage you, if you're looking for a place for your kids to really grow and learn and uh, begin to have a love for the Word of God, uh, Calvary Chapel Greeley, we work very hard at doing that. Well, let's go to phone lines, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Dwayne in Fort Lupton. Dwayne? Yes, sir. Uh, hello, You're on Calvary. hello, how are you? Uh, well, I'm doing okay. Um, okay. It's just uh, my wife and I, we've got ourselves into a little bit of financial trouble. and was just asking okay. that the, the Lord would help see us through this. Absolutely. And you know, He cares about every area of our lives, and... So uh, I thank you for, for calling and taking the time, and we're going to take the time to pray right now. Uh, Father, I just pray for Dwayne, who's called, and um, they have um, found themselves in a financial strain, him and his wife. Um, so I pray that you would just be with them, uh, help them. Uh, help them uh, as you bring people in their lives that can help them consolidate uh, any debt that they need to, to have a financial plan, to help them live within a budget, uh, whatever help that they need. And finances can really be a burden in a marriage or to our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that as we know that your word says the debt that we're to have is to love one another and, and that we're not to be in debt to finances. But when we do find ourselves in that, that you are one, that you're gracious and loving and you will uh, bring those resources to help us. And so do that for Dwayne. Just help him. He, he knows uh, he needs your help. Uh, be with them. Help them. Um, help them get uh, this burden and the strain that can weigh on them very heavily to begin to be relieved. And so bring the right people. Provide for them. Work in every way in this situation. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, we're going to continue to pray, Dwayne. God bless you. Bless you. Thanks for calling. 303-690-3000. When somebody hangs up, there's an open line. You know, it reminds me um, what uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 8 says. It says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And I think that a lot of us, that we take on a little bit of debt, you know, with the mortgage or perhaps if we need a car or something. But uh, we need to always be careful as much as we can to, um, you know, not be in, in uh, slavery to debt. And the Bible talks about that. The Bible gives us guidance in every single area of our lives. But when we do find ourselves in that situation, sometimes it happens because of reasons that we, you know, that are beyond, um, you know, our, uh, you know, just happened. And, um, so God is gracious to be there. Call out to him for help. There's people to get involved to help you in situations like that, resources. And uh, so one of the big strains that can be in a family, on a person, in a marriage, is the financial uh, difficulty that can come our way. So 
uh, just a little encouragement out there. The Lord uh, wants to work in every area of our lives and desires to do that. Well, let's go to Charles in Baltimore. Hello. Charles? Charles, Hi, how, how are you? you? Good. You're on Calvary Live. Cool. That's, that's great. How are you? I'm doing good. Okay. Um, I was just wondering, um, in the Old Testament, um, I do believe when the Lord was describing um, for them how to build the, um, the altar, that he said you should not build altar um, on my altar. I mean, steps on my altar, at least your nakedness be discovered. I was wondering, do you, do you, know, do you have any idea what he might, might be talking about as far as their nakedness? Do you, yeah, do you have a text on that? I sure don't. Okay, because I'm going to have to kind of think. I, I know that when the Lord told the children of Israel yeah. to go into the promised land, he said, just don't build an altar anywhere. And mm-hmm. um, and then he also gave guidelines about, um, you know, um, you know, stones that were cut and stuff. He didn't want them. And I think even as he talks about um, the nakedness, he didn't want them to be like the Canaanites. Um, mm-hmm. The Canaanites had altars, you know, in high places and in wooded yeah. areas. And that's where all kinds of places of false worship was taking place. And they mm-hmm. would make these ornate, you know, uh, altars where they worship false gods and stuff like that. The Lord told them that when you go into the promised land, I will appoint a place where you're going to do the sacrifices. I don't want you going to the high places. I don't want you going to the, you know, wooden groves and, and worshiping it, those places that are false. Um, I don't want you, you know, making these carved stones. Um, but the Lord has some very specific guidelines for them. And I think that all had to do with idol worship, um, mm-hmm. not just going anywhere and worshiping anywhere, uh, any God in any way that they want it. God has a prescribed way in which we are to come to him and to worship. And, and cool. so the Lord, of course, eventually... Uh, of course, he had to, he set up the tabernacle and um, the uh, as you read the book of Leviticus and the sacrifices and the temple worship and all of that. Uh, so uh, we know that uh, it is um, you know linked to that. And, okay. and the Lord, of course, would uh, have um, Jerusalem that was the place. And I think mm-hmm. where you're reading from is in Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read it to you. Okay. Um, you should. It says, uh, you say to the children of Israel, seeing that I've talked to you from heaven, you shall not make anything to me uh, to be with me. God's a silver or gold or gold that you shall not make for yourself. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep, your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it hewn stone. For if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. Um, nor shall you go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness may be not be exposed on it. Yeah, so that was that. Text. Yeah, uh, in uh, Exodus uh, chapter 20. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to look at some notes real quick uh, on that last verse that was uh, given there. And uh, maybe we can get a little bit of clarification. But I think what I'm telling you is... Uh, pretty much what the Lord didn't want them worshiping yeah. just anywhere. Yeah. Or that, 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 that was good. Anyway. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Good question. You know, okay. it blesses me when people are reading their Bibles and they're going, what is this? And and especially as they, you know, they are reading the Old Testament. And mm-hmm. um, so... Actually, 
Um, Actually, that that question that troubled me for for quite some time, and I, it just keeps coming back to my memory. So I was like, well, you know what, Health FM is on. Let me ask this guy and see if I can clarify this a little bit. No, uh, that's good. You know, I really appreciate your time and effort. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, just one more point. Sure. Uh, one of the things that I got in my notes on that verse is, you know, your nakedness. He 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 didn't want to see the human flesh at a place of covering sacrifice, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want our worship because you know when you brought the peace offerings, when you brought those uh, burn offerings, those were offerings of sacrifice, and um, he doesn't want our worship to be a fleshly kind of thing. He wants us to worship, of course, Jesus said in spirit and truth. So there's an application that could be made there for that. I thought I'd throw out at you, Charles. So mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, Thank good you question. For, Thanks for, for calling. Time. You bet. God bless you. We have a couple open lines. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figgs. A couple good questions. It always you know, blesses me when people have questions, and sometimes they're challenging questions. Uh, but we can look at it. We can look at it together. And, and the Lord always desires to give us some understanding and interpretation and also application for our lives as well. So, so great to be able to do that. And our worship, you know, there um, should be uh, worshiping in spirit and truth, the true and the living God as we worship him. So that was a good question. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. And then also the text line. Let me give you that line uh, as well. Uh, because uh, you have the opportunity uh, to call in and, uh, uh, and also to text uh, a prayer request or a question. So that text line, dedicated text line, is 720-336-0897. Text me a question. Hey, let's go to Brian in Denver. Brian? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you, Brian? I'm doing good. Um, I had a question about one of the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not kill. Um, My question is, I've done some research on it, and someone told me that the actual word for kill that was translated from Hebrew actually more means something along the lines of murder. Is that correct? Yeah, premeditated murder. That's the intent of it, because I think where people get really... Um, confused, or perhaps um, they wonder about, well, what about war? And, uh, you know, and God at times obviously commissioned them to go to war. We know that uh, David in the Psalms writes that uh, God has trained my hands for war. So I think that here is talking about um, premeditated murder, um, and then the Lord gives, you know, punishment for that. And, um, and guidelines as you go through the Word of God. So that's what um, the intention is in that. Um, you, shall not, you shall not kill. He okay. gives guidelines about self-defense, you know, guidelines about other things, and then, of course, uh, the children of Israel going to war or whatever. So does that help? Yeah. Now, uh, I guess one of my questions is why was it translated that way? Why did they specifically use the word kill? I mean, I I don't know how long the English word murder has been around for, but I think it yeah. was around during the King James edition. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's why, I, I think probably when the Ten Commandments came out, they knew what the Lord was saying um, in that, um, that thou shall not kill. 
Um, but um, I'm, I'm not really sure. But the intent and I think the meaning of that um, is uh, pretty clear that it's premeditated murder. And, um, and then he gives, you know, the punishment for it. And, we, and then he gives guidelines and other things like that as you go through the law. Okay. Good question. Good question. So, thanks. Well, so Appreciate that was it, all Brian. I really had. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look at that a little bit closer. And uh, it's always good to go back and review those things. So, appreciate your question today, Brian. Thank you. You bet. Have a blessed day. You too. All right. We had the phone lines fill up right away at the beginning of the show. Now we have all open lines, I believe. Um, so give me a call at 303-690-3000. Again, um, you know, good questions. And uh, as we look at the scriptures, as we study them, and um, that is a good question that was asked of Brian uh, there in the book of Exodus. So uh, we're, we've been in chapter 20 for a little bit, um, and um, we know that um, the commandment uh, given, thy shall not kill, uh, is... Um, you know, in the New King James, it's translated, you shall not murder. I'm just looking at that. So they do use the word murder in that, Brian, if you're listening to me. And uh, just so I thought you'd um, get that. So uh, just now notice that. So give me a call, uh, 303-690-3000. And let's go to God's Word together as we study it. Um, and murder is the word that is used there in verse 13. Um, and so Jesus uses that word then again in Matthew chapter 5 about if you hate somebody, then you murder them in their heart. So there's that connection that is there as well. Um, let's go to a text uh, question, and one has come in, and you can uh, text in a question or um, a prayer request, and the text question is, what happens after the thousand-year reign? Uh, can you speak on that? After the thousand-year reign, uh, Jesus Christ will come back. We see that in Revelation chapter 19. Uh, we will come back with him, uh, the church, uh, and uh, he will touch down on the Mount of Olives. Zechariah's prophecy says the Mount of Olives will heave in half, and then he will establish his kingdom for a thousand years. So that's what it means, the thousand-year reign, and we're going to rule and reign with him. And then after the thousand-year reign, the heavens and the earth, as we now know it, are going to dissolve. Uh, we know that Peter talks about that um, in Second Peter. Let me pull it up for you real quick uh, so you know what Peter talks about in that. And it's very interesting. He says, But the day of the Lord, this is in Second Peter chapter 3, will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the element will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And, and so he talks about the, the heavens and huge nuclear reaction. And we also know that uh, at that time that John writes in Revelation chapter 20 that then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. So uh, at that time that the heavens and the earth uh, are go up in a fervent heat, then we know that, um, that there's going to be the great white throne judgment, that the unrighteous dead have been resurrected. It's called the second resurrection, 
and they will be judged and sentenced out of darkness. That is unbelievers. And then you go to last two chapters of the book of Revelation that speaks of the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem where we will dwell with the Lord forever and ever and ever. And that is our future. And it is so wonderful our future is um, that we will all be together. And you can read about the new heaven and new earth and the new Jerusalem that will descend and uh, it's uh, going to be just a wonderful, wonderful place. And that's the final place that we will be. So the great white throne judgment where non-believers are cast into uh, the lake of fire, into outer darkness. That is their final resting place. And then we will be in the new heaven and new earth and new Jerusalem, spoken of the last two chapters of the Bible. Well, give me a call, 303-690-3000. We do have some open lines. Let's go, t- in the meantime, to Justin in Thornton. Justin? Yes, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? I am doing good. So I had a question on the difference that God is portrayed in the Old Testament versus the New, how he's more of a vengeful God in the Old Testament and a loving God in the New. And I was wondering why there's that difference. Well, people have that perception that, you know, God the Father is, you know, really uptight in the Old Testament. He's vengeful. Um, he is, um, you know, um, you know, angry. Uh, God of judgment and all of this. And then in the New Testament, he kind of mellows out. Um, and, uh, you know, Jesus is there kind of, you know, the mediator, don't hurt them. And and that's not the case. When we, you go carefully through the Old Testament, yeah, there are some ugly times there. There was God bringing judgment even on his own people, on the house of Israel, Judah, Israel, going off into captivity um, other insists, you know, that we see uh, stories of, of God's judgment. Um, but here's the thing, a couple things to, to think about is, number one, it, when the Lord declared his name uh, to Moses, uh, you know, Moses said, um, you know, who are you? He said, I am that I am. Uh, and then he declared his name as being compassionate, full of mercy, um, long-suffering, uh, so the Lord declares his name to Moses in that way. When you go through the Old Testament, you see the grace of God um, abundantly there. Um, and he did have that covenant that he made with his people Israel. And he said, if you follow after me, then I'm going to bless you. But if you don't, then then judgment's going to come. And the Lord would over and over again send the prophets uh, for them, you know, when they began to walk in disobedience and, and worship false gods and, and all of this. Um, and we see that the Lord patiently uh, looked to them for hundreds of years to turn to him and to repent from that. And he warned them that you're going to go off into captivity. So um, that's what we see. And Justin, we're going to go to break here in a little bit. So if you hear okay. the music, We'll go to break, and then I want you to hang on because I want to finish my thought here with you. So, um, you know, a lot of people okay. feel that way, but when you really go through the Old Testament, you see God's grace. Um, you, 
you see it with Jonah. You know, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Why? Because he said, you're compassionate. You're, you're full of mercy, Lord. And if I go, he was afraid they would get saved. And Jonah didn't want them to get saved. Um, so you go to the New Testament. And, and the New Testament, and this is really important, and we're going to go to break here in just a minute, but Jesus said something to the disciples in that upper room. Um, that was extremely important. And that's what we're going to talk about. So if you'll just hang on, Justin, I'll finish my thought with you. And we're going to go to break. Hey, give me a call, 303-690-3000. we got open lines, so grab one of those during your break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. So glad to be with you. And give me a call at 303-690-3000. And I believe we have uh, an open line. So I'd love to talk to you about the things of the Lord. Let me give you that text uh, line, and that is 720-336-0897. And as we have time at the end of the show, we'll go to those tech questions. We've already gone to one. and uh, But we want to go back to the phone lines Justin was holding from Thornton. Justin, you yep. still there? Hey, thanks for yes, holding. Sir. Appreciate it. But Justin was, just if in case you're just uh, joining us for the show, was asking about um, the character of God, how God is looked at in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. And that can be a struggle sometimes, particularly for young Christians. But we know that the Lord, um, in Numbers chapter 14, uh, the Lord declares his long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiven iniquity and transgression. We know that the psalmist writes in Psalm 86, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, and abundant in mercy all those who call upon you. Uh, but you, O Lord, are God full of compassion uh, as well, long-suffering. So that's repeated in Psalm 86. Um, and, and so you see that God declares his name in the Old Testament, but he did um, bring judgment uh, as the Assyrians took the house of Israel off into captivity. It was brutal. And then the um, Judah as well. Um, so people struggle with that when they went into the promised land to drive out the Canaanites. Uh, but we see that Abraham was told that the Lord would deal with the Canaanites uh, for 400 years uh, with their iniquity. So the Lord is long-suffering. He is patient. He is full of mercy. Um, his judgment is, uh, is slow in coming. There's abundant warning. Uh, we know that the Philistines, 400 years after the Egyptians you know, were drowned in the Red Sea, that they knew of that when they captured the Ark of the Covenant. They knew that, hey, this is God, the children of Israel, that drowned the Egyptians, and yet they refused to turn to the Lord. Now, here's the thing, um, Justin. You go to the New Testament. The disciples asked Jesus in that upper room that 
um, show us the Father and it will suffice us. And Jesus answered Philip by saying, oh, Philip. And I, I think there was disappointment in his voice when Philip asked that. Show us the Father. It's like, oh, Philip, you've been with me over three years. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that's very important because what Jesus was saying is, is that if you want to know what the Father's like, look at me. If you want to know the nature and the character and the essence of the Father, then know me. You've, you've seen the Father. I am the perfect representation of the Father. And we know that Hebrew says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we see the compassion of our Father um, you know, in sending his Son. But let me ask you this, Justin, and for those who perhaps that they think, well, God was full of judgment and all of this in the Old Testament. When is the worst judgment that we're going to see that's recorded in the Scriptures? Uh, it's going to be at Arm- or after Armageddon, isn't it? It's going to be in the book of Revelation. We're talking New Testament. So yeah. he is going to pour out his wrath on a Christ-rejected world. And we're in on Wednesday nights, we just started that uh, Revelation chapter 6. Matter of fact, tomorrow night, we're going to be looking at the four horsemen of the apocalypse uh, as the seals are opened up and the wrath of the Lamb is poured out on a Christ-rejected world. And Jesus would say about that time, particularly in the Great Tribulation, that it will be Great Tribulation such as the world has never seen or ever will see again. So God is compassionate, he's full of mercy, um, and he's given man opportunity to turn to him. But he is also a God of judgment. He is a just God, and he will judge sin. And, and I think it's important for us to remember that Jesus took the sin for you and me as believers, and he died for sinful humanity. And there's, you know, uh, Jesus said, pray always that you may... Uh, escape the judgment to come in, in Luke chapter 21. There's a way of escape. Uh, pray always, as he would say uh, to his disciples at the end of that that message, um, that, uh, let me read it to you, uh, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. He just talked about the tribulation period and to stand before the Son of Man. He's saying there's a way of escape. And the way of escape uh-huh. is through Jesus Christ and coming in faith in him. So, you know, Jesus, he's the perfect representation. If you want to know the heart of God, if you want to know the nature of God, look at Jesus, full of compassion and mercy. Sense. Yeah, so th- there's a real balance in that. And, you know, some people picture God the Father. They got this unhealthy fear of of God like he's a mean old man up in heaven, leaning over the banister of heaven, you know, with the lightning bolts ready to zap you if you get out of line. And I've met Christians that had this unhealthy fear. And we need to remember that Romans chapter 8 tells us that we don't have the spirit of fear. Uh, we don't, you know, have the bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And that word Abba literally means Papa. We're the only ones that can address God in that way as we've come to faith in Jesus Christ. So he, he is a compassionate, full of mercy, but he is also a just God, and he will judge sin. 
And that's what we see throughout the scriptures. That makes sense. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Good question. Because it's a question that I think even those who are listening can kind of struggle with. And um, and so we need to look at the pages of Scripture to really see what God's Word has to say. So appreciate you calling and asking that question, Justin. Yeah, thank you very much. You bet. Absolutely. All right, we're going to continue with phone lines. I have a storm right on top of me, a thunderstorm that has built up, so you might hear some lightning, and boy, it is raining. So if you're in the Greeley area, just be careful. Uh, we've had these storms move through in the last few days. Torrential rainfall, it is dumping, it is blowing, it is lightning. So just you know, be careful, take cover if you need to. And uh, I'm just going to continue to be on the air. And uh, hopefully the storm will pass and we'll be okay and and, uh, nothing will go haywire on us and stuff. So we're in that time of year, springtime. Um, So I just want to give you a heads up up here in Weld County. Let's go to Demetrius in Denver. Demetrius. Let's go to Alex. Let's go to Alex, yeah. Let's go to Alex in Brighton. Hey, Alex. Hi. How Hi are you? I'm good, thank you. you. <laughs> Haven't run into the rain I yet. Love... <laughs> yeah, boy, I tell you, all of a sudden when I was at my last call talking to Justin, man, all of a sudden it started coming down. Pretty angry, huh? <laughs> Pretty angry. I almost got caught in it yesterday. I was I was running in the park and I was about a mile from my car and it just kept building up and you know, for me I'm an old guy. It's more like an old man limping. And trying to get <laughs> yeah. back to my car, it, and I barely made it. And uh, so, at least I'm in a place that's dry. So, but I appreciate you calling and waiting, waiting, Alex. So, yeah, no problem. You a, yeah, you got a question for me? Yeah. So, um, I maybe you can explain it to me because I feel like you keep getting kind of different um, versions of what the concept of hell actually is. Um, like growing up, you know, there's Growing up, I heard purgatory, um, but after reading the Bible, you know, it, uh, and talking with other believers, they all seem to have different uh, ideas as well, you know, that it's more just when you die, it's just a waiting waiting period underground type of scenario. But then reading um, the Bible, you know, there's verses where it says uh, the land of the dead. So maybe right. you could kind of break that down for me a little bit. Better. Yeah, because I, I think it's important for us to, to know that, you know, Jesus talked about um, hell. Um, he, mm-hmm. And he talked about, you know, I was just uh, listening, and um, I wrote it down somewhere in my notes, but I, I believe it's like 17 times he mentions um, Gehenna, and then one time's Haiti. So uh, mm-hmm. Hades is... Um, uh, you know the word for for hell in in the New Testament. Uh, I believe it's um, maybe Gehenna in the Old Testament, Hades in, in the New Testament. Um, but he tells of a parable in Luke's Gospel, and I don't know if you've ever read that parable in Luke chapter um, sixteen, I believe. And he tells the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and in that parable you know, the rich man dies and he goes to Hades 
and Lazarus dies, and he goes to that place called Abraham's bosom. Now, it was in the center of the earth. Uh, it, you know, all of it was called Hades, but it had two compartments. And it is the rich man that called across this chasm that separated the two, you know, over to Abraham. And he was in torment. And he lifted his eyes, it says, and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And, and he said, hey, tell Lazarus to dip his, uh, the tip of his finger in water and cool, cool my tongue, for I'm in torment in this flame. And Abraham said, nope, can't do that. Um, he can't come over. We can't cross. Um, and besides, there's a big chasm between us. So in that, um, many Bible commentators and scholars believe Jesus is telling an actual story. So... We know that Ephesians tells us that Jesus, when he died on the cross before he ascended, he first descended to lead captivity captive. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, he gave up his last, he would go down into Abraham's bosom. He would say, this is what you've been waiting for. It was a holding chamber till he died for our sins because those of the Old Testament look forward in faith to the coming Messiah, and they were in that holding chamber till Jesus Christ came and died for their sins once and for all. So you start putting the Scripture together. The book of Hebrews tells us that the Old Testament sacrifices was a kofar, a covering, um, and it wasn't enough to take away sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ, who died once and for all for our sins, was that able to take away our sins? So that was a temporary thing. Um, all the sacrifices of the animals was not enough because they kept doing it over and over and over again. When you sin, you had to keep bringing a sin sacrifice. Well, now that we are on this side of the cross, we look back to the cross, our sins are forgiven. And Paul writes in Second Corinthians chapter 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So now we go directly to heaven. So that chamber that is called Abraham's bosom is empty. Uh, Jesus presented his blood in um, the tabernacle, the, the heavenly temple, and now that our sins are forgiven, you know, everyone's in heaven right now. But there's still that, that the chamber of the unrighteous dead that is still there. So when somebody dies that is an unbeliever, they go to that place. Now, we just talked about this at the beginning of the show, that in Revelation chapter 20, I'm going to read it to you, that at the end of the millennium reign of Jesus Christ, that the heavens and the earth are going to uh, fade away, and they're going to go up in a fervent heat, and then there's going to be what's called the great white throne judgment. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, yeah, I'm actually in the process of reading the book of Revelations right now. Yeah, so he says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, and from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up their dead who were in it. Death in Hades delivered up their dead. So those in that compartment of the unrighteous dead, uh, they were delivered up. 
and they were judged each one according to his works. And then it says, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Again, Jesus talked about, you know, the lake of fire. He talked about the outer darkness and gnashing of teeth. And I I just want to say that hell is real. And hell is eternal. There are no second chances. There's no purgatory. That's a man-made doctrine. I grew up in the Catholic Church. I heard about purgatory. Matter of fact, I thought that I would have to go to purgatory because I wasn't good enough to go to heaven. And, you know, then hopefully somebody will pray for me that I can get into purgatory. There is no purgatory. It's appointed Mm -hmm. once for men to die and then the judgment. There's no soul sleep. Uh, There's um, a popular doctrine that kind of keeps floating through the church. There are Christian writers and uh, teachers that say there is no hell. Uh, They say there's annihilation, that if an unbeliever dies, they just annihilate it. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. And and even the words of Jesus uh, refutes that. So hell is a real place, the lake of fire, and it is eternal, and it is for those who have rejected gospel. And it's very sobering, isn't it? Right, yeah. That's... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is very sobering. And, you know, Jesus said, he talked about the resurrection, he said that he's the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. But then he warned the religious leaders, and he said that, you know, if you do not believe that I am him, you will die in your sins. And he goes that the trumpet's going to sound, and there's going to be the resurrection, those um, that uh, to uh, eternal life, and then there are going to be those who are going to be resurrected um, that are going to be eternally lost. And that's the words of Jesus. Um that um, he gives, so um, you know. So uh, go ahead. ultimately, um, so what he's saying is, well, when we die, uh, we are just awaiting judgment. So there's no eternal suffering before that judgment. It's just well, once you. Well, no. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there is. Here's the thing, Alex. <clears throat> Here is the rich man. He's in that holding chambers. He's yeah, in that's torment. before the, the New Testament. That's, well, that's before the New Testament that, that you know, he's in the holding chambers, but they're all still there as far as what oh, we can tell I from see. Scripture. So at the end of the millennium reign of Jesus Christ, so as you're going through the book of Revelation, that Revelations chapter 6 through... 19 tell of that seven-year period called the tribulation period, right? Mm-hmm. And and then Jesus Christ comes back. He establishes his kingdom for a thousand years. And then is the great white throne judgment. It's called the second death. It's called the second resurrection. So that's when those that chamber will be empty in, in Hades, mm-hmm. uh, the place of the unrighteous dead. They will be resurrected they will stand before the great white throne judgment. Now, just because here's the thing about the resurrection. We are going to be resurrected at the rapture of the church. So don't get confused that the resurrection is talking about our bodies. When we go to heaven, we're going to receive new heavenly bodies. 
but our spirit doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Our spirit doesn't die. And there's confusion with Christians. They think, well, their soul sleep, our spirit dies, uh, you know, until the resurrection. No, um, you go home to be with the Lord, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And then at the sound of the trump, trumpet at the rapture of the church, we will get new heavenly bodies. Um, with the unrighteous dead, Lazarus is thirsty, and he's mm-hmm. in torment. And and it talks about an eternal judgment that comes. So, you know, that's that's what we get from the Bible. That's what we learn from the Scriptures. And, um, and it's very sobering, and Jesus talked about it. Okay. Does that help? That, that helped. That definitely I know did. <laughs> it, it, I know it, it probably bums you out. Um, right. But it's very sobering when we think about it because, you know, that's why it's so important that we give truth. Mm-hmm. It's so important that we have a heart for the loss. I mean, it grieves us, doesn't it, um, when we think about it? I mean, it's very, very sobering um, when we think about eternity is real. Heaven is real, and hell is real. And uh, we don't like to talk about hell, but that's part of, you know, the gospel that Jesus talked about. If you do not believe that I am him, then you will die in your sins. And there's an eternal death that takes place when we don't come to Jesus Christ and um, and realize that we need to be forgiven of our sins. It's so sobering, isn't it? Um, when we think about it. Walk as Christ now versus not ever. <laughs> well, um, you know, some yeah, sometimes, you know, and that's why the, the Bible says that it's appointed once for man to die and then the judgment. Um, mm-hmm. And judgment is real, and he will judge sin. And there is eternal, you know, uh, damnation that will come to those who stand at the great white throne judgment. You and I won't be there. Um. We will Praise stand, Lord for we, that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to stand at the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ. Um, Absolutely. And so that's, yeah, that's the good news. Does that help you out, Alex? It does. Um, just one more question. So, uh, what chapters specifically can I um, can I look to um, read that for myself? I mean, uh, you said Luke. Yeah, Luke chapter sixteen. Read Revelation chapter twenty. Twenty. Okay. Okay. 16 and 20. Well, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate the uh, wisdom. Well, I appreciate you calling. You have a good one. God bless you, Alex. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah, eternity is real, folks. Eternity is real and hell is real. And, you know, there's some well-known authors and stuff that say, well, we're annihilated or hell isn't real. It's real. Jesus talked about it. And there's, you know, uh, evidence in the Scripture all about it. Well, let's go to Demetrius, if he's still there in Denver. Demetrius? Hey, how are you, Pastor? Good, how are you? Thanks for holding. Good, good. So I had a question in Romans 9, verse 24. Okay. And it says, uh, Even us whom he also called, not from among Jews only, but also from among the Gentiles. And then verse 25 and 26 go into what's in Hosea. So my question is... Uh, is Paul trying to say that the the Gentiles are also his God's people, or is that a title that's only for uh, the people of Israel, the children of Israel? Yeah. Well, 
what Paul's writing about when you get into the book of Romans in chapters 9, 10, and 11, um, Paul, he, he's been one, writing about this wonderful theology, um, in, particularly in chapters 3 about justification, in chapter 4 and chapter 5, and then sanctification um, in chapter 6, 7, and 8. When he gets to Romans chapter 9, uh, he turns and, to his countrymen and he begins to um, express his great sorrow and continual grief because they weren't saved. They didn't know the gospel. And so he, he, he's talking about that, Israel's rejection, um, and he is ex- expressing that throughout the um, you know, um, book. And then when he gets to verse 25, he, he quotes from the prophet Hosea, right. um, and he declares God's right to choose, um, calling those who previously were not his people. And he's talking about that salvation is going to come to the Gentiles, um, mm. that he is going to call them out. I will call them my people who are not my people, and her beloved who is not beloved, and it shall come to pass in the place that it was said to them, you are not my people, they shall be called sons of the living God. And also Isaiah speaks of that as well. So he quotes uh, from Isaiah in, in verse 27, 28, and, mm-hmm. and also in verse 29. So he's talking about that this, you know, God's, you know, going to bring salvation to the Gentiles. That's one of the things that the Gentiles really had a hard time, um, uh, or not the Gentiles, but the Jews had a hard time accepting in the early church that this thing called the church and salvation is also going to be extended to the Gentiles. Right. And right. Um, so in the chapter, he's talking about there's, and he'll go on and explain there's a, a purpose for you know Israel who has rejected um he's not through with them chapter 11 he still has a plan for them right, but right. and then he talks about provoking Israel to jealousy and bringing in the gentiles so all that is a part of uh, what he begins to talk about okay. does that help yeah i think that helped a little bit cool. yeah it's 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 really a heavy chapter chapter 9 and yeah. um so and then after, you know, he quotes from Hosea and from Isaiah, um, he says, what shall we say then, that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? Um, but Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained the law of righteousness. He goes into chapter 10, and he says, you being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish your own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. In other words, Israel... You've sought to establish your own righteousness through the law, through the traditions, through the rituals, rather mm-hmm. than by faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. So he's he's putting that all together for them to to understand and read. All right. All right. Thank you. Appreciate Good your question. Help. Appreciate yeah, your calling and and asking. So, hey, let's yeah. quickly go to Nathan in Denver. Well, before we end, hey, Nathan, we got just a couple minutes. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Um, enjoying, enjoying the nice day at work and everything. Just everything, just enjoying the day. Well, how can we pray for you? Well, my fiance and I have about four months until we get married. Uh-huh. Lately, we've been 
fighting over the little things for the wedding, what we want, what we don't want. We've kind of been fighting with each other. It's slowly getting back on track, but we keep fighting about the little things about the wedding planning. Right. And we're just hoping, you know, to pray to get us through these times to work, you know, efficiently together to get us to the big day. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be a lot of stress and, you know, and the finances and all of that to come with it. So I, I want to encourage you and I'm going to pray for you. I just got a minute left is that your main focus needs to be what's going to happen after the wedding. And, of course, everybody wants a nice wedding, and, and, you know, probably your fiancé. That's real important, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be. But to just keep praying and keep things in perspective. As Father, I pray for Nathan. He's got a very important day coming up in four months, and I pray that it wouldn't be spent just debating or arguing, but there would be understanding and clarity and coming together because they're going to have to make decisions together for the rest of their lives. And so, Lord, help them to look to you, to seek you, to be praying together, because you're the one that will give wisdom. You're the one that will speak to their hearts. And, Lord, give them a peace that rules in their hearts and to focus on getting prepared for a life together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Nathan, be praying. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, too. You bet. Hey, thanks, everybody, for calling. God bless you, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a great evening. been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.